quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and I am so excited. We're going across the oceans. We are going to Antwerp, Belgium, to meet a very dear friend of mine, Ilana Brandway. And she is a fearless, independent, loyal mother of two who launched Noble Fine Jewelry in 2016 with a pair of diamond earrings. No one was making the style that she wanted at a fair price, so she made her own. And then it started with some of her friends, and that was the beginning. Today, she is a passionate, creative, and driven, and they, they are determined in creating jewelry that makes memories and moments that last a lifetime. I am so excited to bring with you my friend, Ilana Brandling. Welcome Hi. to the show. Hi, Deborah. I'm so excited to be here for my first podcast interview, and I'm so excited to be doing it with you. Oh, I'm so honored. And Ilana, you know, <laughs> I had the confession to make. I love diamonds, but I really didn't know the history behind the diamonds and that Antwerp is the diamond capital of the world. And it's been, you know, since 15th century. And I was like, wow, where have I been? So I'm so excited to expand my own horizons as well as sharing with our audience and expanding their horizons of the diamond industry. I know it's one of the most popular gemstones. And uh, tell us how, you know, it started with a pair of earrings, but how did you even get into this industry? So it's a very interesting story. I believe my life actually led me to it. Um, I've always loved jewelry and diamonds, I mean, you know, as a woman. I grew up in Antwerp. I was born here to Ukrainian immigrants, but I was surrounded by people in the business, but my family wasn't. So it was like always a little bit of an outside, you know, glamorous world that I didn't get to see. And then I moved to the UK. I went to school in the UK when I was 14. I wanted to, you know, expand my horizons, see something else. And my life brought me back to Antwerp. And I was introduced to my husband, who was a third generation diamond dealer. And I suddenly walked into the Antwerp Diamond Center. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I mean, there's, it's very unglamorous. It's a lot of offices. It's one L-shaped street where everybody works. But when I realized that all the diamonds I'd seen on Bond Street or the, like the rings, the engagement rings, the jewelry I'd seen on Bond Street in London or you know, in New York on Fifth Avenue, actually most of them had passed through Antwerp. They basically, I met the people that had either cut them or traded them or, you know, like it was just, I realized how much of this world was here that wasn't shown to the rest of the world. And I was like, this is something we've got to share. So, People started to ask me for diamonds. You know, my husband's a diamond dealer. Can you get me a diamond? They would come to Antwerp. I take them around. I loved the connection with the people. I loved working with the stones. And I was like, okay, I want to make some earrings for myself. 
and that was it. It was the beginning of a beautiful story, a beautiful romance for me, and also a very big personal growth journey because, you know, growing a business in a very male dominated and what it's like you said, 500 years, it's been an interesting journey, but very beautiful. So I have so many questions to ask you, but one of the first things that I want to touch on is you talked about your personal development and how, you know, there's the business development, but how it stretched you into who you've become now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I think what it's really stretched me is to step into my own power as a woman, okay, of running a business, of trusting myself, trusting the way that I want to work with diamonds and jewelry that even though it doesn't correspond to the way that it's done by other people, it's actually okay. It's my unique way to learn to trust that, to learn to develop it. Uh, you know, also growing a business, you have to learn a lot of skills. You also have to manage your time as a mother, a wife, a friend. I mean, these are, you know, human connection is very important to me, which it's, it's very important as well with my customers, but it's something that's very important. So it's a real development to learn to balance all these things to also learn to trust yourself to know that what you have got to give you know in your business and the way you do things is actually fine because it's yours you know i find interesting is you know the process of where the diamond is mined to how it gets on someone's finger or neck and or ears and I just find it fascinating because I, I didn't completely understand it until you were talking about, you know, the rainforest and the jungles. Can you tell us a little bit about how that diamond comes to be and how it parallels with who you have become in the process as well? So I do see diamonds as uh, very strong stones spiritually because they have been a part of the earth for billions of years and they've been brought up to the surface or maybe not always so surface but uh, through volcanic eruptions uh, it's also I'm very lucky in, you know to have my brother who lives in Sierra Leone who is a diamond miner so I've actually been able to go to the mines and see how they extract them what the thing is in Sierra Leone it's called alluvial mining so it's riverbed mining it's different to deep crate mining it's I would say a uh, different process, it's more artisanal, it's more, um, well, you see a lot more, you get to see a lot more. Uh, so, you know, you have, there's a whole process, you've got to like clean the riverbeds, then you've got to clean the gravel, um, then you've actually got to sift, like, uh, you know, like you see in the movies, you actually literally sift for diamonds and not everybody can do it. And for me, it would be even very difficult to recognize a diamond in between that all that gravel. But the trick is that the heavier stones, like which are diamonds, will move to the middle of the sift, and that's how they will find them. And then what happens is that you have to bring those diamonds to the um, Kimberley Process Certificate Office, which is the one to guarantee that they're not um, conflict diamonds. And then they get brought to Antwerp, where we polish them. So I've also had the opportunity to polish a diamond with one of our friends who has polished for some very big jewelry houses. Uh, he's had many, I think over 30 years experience. And obviously I don't wanna be a diamond polisher, 
because it's a very technical job and that's not my strength. But to have the opportunity to actually go through that and to work with a male friend of mine who has done it for so long and is really an expert has been a very exciting process. And how it relates to us as human beings is that you get this rock diamond and it's not so shiny and it's got some imperfections in it and you've got to work around it and polish it away to really remove whatever doesn't serve anymore to make it into this beautiful shiny stone. And it's a bit like us. I think our life experiences, you know, will shape us. We get put under pressure like diamonds are formed. And then we have to polish away certain things that we've learned through programming, through beliefs, to really come into our own. So for me, my journey has really been that one of a diamond. And I really believe that a lot of people go through that. And we can become our beautiful, shiny, sparkly selves. Yeah. What a powerful process. And you know, one of the things that stood out for me is when you said when you're sifting, you might not be able to recognize the diamond. And, you know, when I think about when you when you parallel it and use it as a diamonds as a metaphor for people, there might be that brilliant shining person in the midst of all the people that you see, and you won't recognize it until you form that connection to that diamond. Yes. yes, and I think in today's world, it's very hard for people to recognize or, you know, or to allow themselves to shine that brilliance out for fear of not being seen, not being understood. But I think it's our duty to allow it to shine through. Yeah. Because we can, you know, we, we will allow others to shine their lights. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is that you mentioned that the diamond polisher. So this is not something that I would think that there's a specific person dedicated to polishing and refining that diamond. So when we talk about paralleling and becoming the diamond yourself, that polishing obviously takes time, but there's a whole significant process to that, to get it to where people can select it to be put in some type of jewelry design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. I mean, there is a whole process. Uh, it goes through today. A lot of the, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it is done through a computer in the sense they can really plan a diamond and they can see through it. They can, you know, check to see where there's tension because when you polish a diamond, it can actually have a risk if there's too much tension or too many inclusions, it can explode. That's another risk. So it's a very exciting process and very careful process um, and so that you've got a planner doing that and then you actually go and put it on the polishing wheel by the way there's a lot of uh, videos on my Instagram for that you can actually see the process of me polishing a yellow diamond from yes. the region in, uh, on the border of Sierra Leone and Liberia and so yeah you see how much careful you constantly got to keep checking the diamond i was actually polishing at the wheel obviously guided because i wouldn't be able to do it on my own right my expertise as i said but i was actually polishing and you know you have to keep checking it to keep checking at it with a 10 times magnifying loop to see that everything's going okay you're not exploding it or nothing's being not too much is being polished away or too little and then you have to do every single facet and obviously depending on which uh, cut the diamond is, which shape it is. Um, the facets will depend on that. And also, for example, because we polished a colored diamond, a yellow diamond, it's important to color, to polish for uh, to get the best color out of it. And color can change through polishing as well. 
So there's so many things to think about, which is very interesting. And, you know, when you talked about the importance of human connection, and as we continue to talk about how the diamond is kind of a metaphor for life, you know, there is tension. And you mentioned a conflict diamond, which can you tell us a little bit more about what a conflict diamond is? Okay, so a conflict diamond is one that has been traded illegally. So that means the taxes haven't been paid to the rightful country and the right people working for it. Uh, because diamonds are not just mined in Sierra Leone. I talk about it because it's where I've been. Uh, and also that it's not been used to fund wars because there have been a lot of wars previously uh, in Sierra Leone as well, uh, which was made very famous by the movie Blood Diamond with Leonardo DiCaprio. And therefore people actually have the wrong image of that country. Instead, it's actually a beautiful, beautiful country. It's got some of the most beautiful wild nature I've ever seen and I've traveled a lot. I hope to travel more after Corona pandemic. Um, and, you know, the people, people talk a lot about, oh, we need to stop diamond mining and all of that. But these people need the livelihood. I've been there. If they don't mine for diamonds, they have no money coming in. It just has to be done, you know, fairly. They have to be paid properly. They have to be treated well. These are all things that are important. And that's some of the, some of the things, these are things that my brother and I are doing and are of paramount importance for us. Yeah. Yeah, and I was on your website, so those of you listening or watching, to go to Noble Fine Jewelry, and there's a lot of the history behind it. And also make sure you click on the link to the Zimmy Diamond, the yellow diamond. It is one of the rarest diamonds in the world. A beautiful bright yellow. Actually, I didn't even think about it. It's about as yellow as this. <laughs> but a beautiful diamond. And I've seen Ilana, you know, put it in the placements of some of the designs with the yellow diamond. And they're just so exquisite. And I, I get more intrigued about the diamond process as, as you teach me more. And, you know, I know the diamond has been a symbol often of life, sun, um, and also an emblem of purity, perfection, and some even say like an invincible spiritual power. Can you tell me a little bit about that? About the invincible spiritual power? Well, diamonds are, you know, very hard to break. The only thing that can break a diamond is another diamond. Actually, diamonds are polished, which I forgot to mention, with diamond dust. It's the only thing that can polish a diamond. Huh. That's very interesting. And I believe, and it's my personal belief, but I know that in the spiritual circles, diamonds are seen as the strongest crystals of everything because a diamond for me will carry somebody's energy. So even when diamonds are passed down from generations, you know, from mother to daughter, I think it's a beautiful thing. You do have to clean it energetically just because you don't know, you know, you, know, you have to allow new energy, the, the new wearer to, you know, not carry over the old energy because you still carry over the memories, but just clean it energetically. But uh, I think diamonds were used in um, the times of the temple in Jerusalem, the Jewish temple. Uh, the, the wearer would like be seen as, you could see if he was telling the truth or not. So they're really very strong, powerful stones that show our human spirit, our transparency, I mean, that's the way I see it. Yeah. And I think it's really neat how, you know, women or even men who choose to select a diamond to know this background around having this diamond, because I think 
when I think of Hollywood and riches and only certain people have diamonds, I think it makes it so unreachable, not accessible. And yet, you know, the stone is considered the stone of invincibility, the ability to bring, bring victory, strength and courage to the fortitude of the person wearing it. And when you were sharing with me, you know, when you had a piece that um, came from generations and you were resetting it and, you know, making sure that it was all in, in place, that I think it was a powerful story of helping people understand that this, even though some people will see it as a stone and, oh, it's a diamond and I have one of, you know, the riches of the world to know that there is a whole process and story that be goes behind the diamond, that energy. Yeah, and I think that's been lost a lot in recent years. And it's something that's very important for me to give back to the natural diamond story. Uh, it's something I wanna change. Uh, it's a way that they are viewed because as I've said, they've had some bad press, but we need to take the purity of the diamond. We need to take the history of, you know, like you say, passing it down from generation to generation. There's a lot of, today what's very fashionable is something called old mine cuts or old European cuts is when diamonds were polished like a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, they're polished a bit differently. You know, techniques keep improving so they can keep maximizing, what, what they do is to keep maximizing the sparkle, but these old diamonds are beautiful and they carry so much history and so much love probably. Imagine how many people have got married with these diamonds and that's what we want to preserve and keep that story alive because for me, what's really beautiful is that I get to be part of people's love stories all the time, but not just of people's love stories, you know, the people that mine them, the people that work with them in Antwerp, uh, the, the goldsmiths that I work with here in Antwerp. It's, you know, and that's the beauty of what I do is I believe I can allow people to come on the process with me in creating their jewel if they want. Not all my customers want it, but the ones that want to, you know, I work with people across the Atlantic will send videos and WhatsApp of setting their diamond into a jewel, will show the process. And that's like more exciting for me than actually just going into a store and buying a diamond. Yeah. Have you ever watched someone like, have they transformed as they go through the process with you in seeing the significance of this diamond? Wow. So have I ever watched them transform? Look, I watch people transform because they come to me for their engagement rings and then they'll come for their push presents or they'll come for anniversary presents. So you watch the change. And I believe there's a very big transformation happening in a woman and a man not just entering through marriage, okay? But that's just one of the processes that comes to mind that's quite apparent. Right. Um, that, you know, people change. You change when you become a wife. You change when you become a mother. You change when you become a father or a husband. Uh, you change through life's happenings. So that, but one of the things that also comes to mind to me is that when people come to my office and they choose a diamond, so they'll come in with like an idea of what they want and a budget and we'll show them a few diamonds. My husband, who's my expert, who's, you know, as I said, a third generation diamond dealer and has been doing this for over 30 years as well. He helps people with, you know, like the inclusions because some diamonds aren't perfect. They have inclusions, that's why they're also unique. Some are flawless. It will, what I, we need to gauge is what the customer wants. And then we'll show them a few diamonds accordingly. And usually what I see is when they like one, their eyes will glaze over. 
And that is for me like such a beautiful experience. I literally fall in love with the stone, the sparkle, its beauty, you know, imperfections if they have them. So that's another transformation. You know, and when I think about, you know, in personal development, we talk a lot about the mirroring or projection. And when you talk, say about that glaze over, it's almost like they see something of themselves inside that diamond. Exactly. And I think you're right. I think what they see is they see of the sparkle they believe and the shine they have inside of them. Because we all want to feel that. Yeah. We all really want to feel that. And, you know, I'm not saying diamonds are the, one, the only way to do it, but I think it's a nice way. It's a really nice way. And, you know, diamonds can be affordable too. There's lots of different diamonds and that's what I try and do, you know, try and find diamonds for people to suit their budgets and their tastes or smaller diamonds, you know. Because then you hear about people who upgrade the diamond, let's say for a 10 year anniversary or 20, because you're on a different path along your journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're first starting out, young couple, you know, it might not be the most affordable thing, but 10 years down the road or 25 down the years down the road you're in a different position life position and to upgrade the diamond or choose a different setting or whatever that might be that it can be something that grows with you as well exactly it can be that something it can exactly be something that grows with you and like as you say you've changed so you will want something else you know jewelry also expresses when i wear my jewelry or when i you know it's like it expresses how i feel uh my tastes have changed over the last 10 years. For example, I would have bought a white gold engagement ring when I got married, but now I would probably go for yellow gold because I've changed. I think it's a warmer color. It's something more bold. I'm probably, I dare to wear it more. So I've changed the woman, the customers do as well. So I think if they can adapt their, who they are and we can create a jewel to match that, that's a beautiful process. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think people are, are scared to change. They're afraid to change because it should be the same from the moment you receive it to, you know, for as many years as you're able to enjoy it. You mean to change uh, the diamond? Yeah, to change your ring or, you know, to go from gold to, to a yellow gold or to move to a silver or a different design or because you have changed, right? Yeah, well, I think for me personally, I would always keep the original uh, stone I got from my husband. I would just reset it or use it maybe yeah. a necklace or something like that. Like that. I'm not saying that's the same for everybody. It just holds sentimental value for me. Yeah. Um, and it just shows, you know, that we need to dare to change. You know, that's where the transformation happens. Keep polishing away, you know, to find that beautiful shine in you and that will change every few years or every time you go through another transformation in your life. What is the, you know, when you talked about there's a risk when polishing mm -hmm. that there's the tension mm -hmm. and in life, you know, we have life events and obstacles that arise, but what is so significant about just having the right, you know, so you avoid that. I never heard of a diamond exploding. It can happen. And it's, if it's a big one, it's a very costly mistake. They will get very stressed about it. I don't have to deal with this, <laughs> but I would, yeah. But sorry, you were asking if you can avoid that. Well, it just in life, you know, it just seems so parallel that metaphor of, when we're talking about the metaphor of the diamond, that you have to be so careful with that tension. So it doesn't explode. 
Yeah, well, I think it's a very interesting parallel as you're talking about it. Uh, you know, we, again, we all go through certain experiences in our life. I have gone personally to experiences that could have broken me and exploded me. But instead, I decided to feel them, talk about them, and go through with the change. You know, you, you don't allow the tension to explode you, but you allow it to polish you and to grow into a better version of yourself. Yeah. And, and diamonds, they're hard to break, right? Like you said, it ha has to take significant tension. And that's why I find it so fascinating when we're, we're relating it to the human experience that, you know, there is a rarity to break. But the, also the other coolest thing that you mentioned is in order to polish a diamond, you must have diamond dust. Yeah. So you're taking those life experiences to help polish who you are. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's the way you can see it. You know, and when we talk about human transformation, it's something I'm very passionate about, passionate about, and obviously you are too. Um, it's really a metaphor that I've used for more of my own life. You know, it's I either could have let it break me or I could have let it grow me, you know, and that's the way I feel like work on overcoming certain things because we all have, again, I'll say it, we keep having them, you know, and it's how you think about them. It's how you see them. It's how you view them and it's how you want to go through them. Yeah. And I, I always believe I want to get more shine or, you know, refined. Exactly. And I, I know that on your website, there's this phrase that stood out to me, a story in each design and a soul in each piece. Tell me what that means to you. So in each design that I work, I don't work closely with all my customers because some pieces are just bought off the website, they're designed, they're done. But I always, always think about the person that I'm selling it to. Uh, I'm sending it, before I send it off, I will bless it as well. I will give a blessing to the diamond. I wish them, you know, I don't know everybody that buys from me, but I will wish them whatever it is that they need for their lives. And then when I work closely with customers on creating their design, I mean, you get close to people, you get to know them, you get to understand them. You see, I know some customers will come in and they'll be a little bit worried about buying a diamond or they're afraid of buying one, they don't know what they're doing. They want to be guided. You really create, for me, it's really about working as a soul. I mean, I love what I do. I think it's apparent. Um, yeah. And it's really about working in a way that's soulful for me and for my customers and doing my best to guide them fairly and honestly. So you're in an industry that is predominantly male dominated, as you mentioned. What would it mean to the diamond industry to have more women involved in the process and actually move from, move into a collaborative state? So I think as today we are moving into a new way of life, a new way of living. I think the pandemic has shown us that. Uh, I think a lot of things have become more apparent. And I'm not going to say that we don't need the men because we do. We need to collaborate, like you're saying. I think they have an expertise that some women lack. But then we women have another way of working with diamonds and stones and business. You know, and I think those two need to come together to really create a powerful impact for the diamond world. And also remember, a lot of jewelry is worn by women. Men are wearing jewelry too. 
but a lot of women, uh, a lot of jewelry is worn by women. So a woman selling to a woman is going to be different than a man selling to a woman. And I'm not saying that they can't sell, they can. It's just done in a different way. So I feel we really need a lot more women in the industry to collaborate together, to grow, to shine our lights in the industry and to bring it to a new level with a lot more emotion, history, stories. There's, there's so much power behind story. What would you tell a man or a woman buying a diamond for their partner? What would you tell them that they need to think about? So one of the things I always say, and if I don't see the partner, I ask for a picture of the partner, of the woman. If it's a guy coming for his engagement ring without the woman, some couples come together, okay? But what I always say is, send me a picture so I can get a little bit of a vibe of who she is and tell me about her. Because sometimes they know what I want, sometimes they don't, so you have to help guide them. And it's important for me to really get a picture. I wanted just to share who she is, what she likes doing. Is she adventurous? Is she classic? Uh, what kind of fashion sense does she have? What does she do? Does she love it? You know, these are all things that are important in helping them create also the diamond shape. You know, somebody who's classic might like a round diamond more, not necessarily, but that's a very classical shape. But today, one of the most popular diamond cuts at the moment is the oval cut, which is just like a, an elongated, brilliant cut, round cut. So again, it's about telling people, what will this represent for you? And it has to be an extension of who you are. That's very important. You know, I never thought about it that way. Cause you know, a lot of times people will go into a jewelry store and they're like, oh, which one do you like? You know, kind of thing. And they, you know, buy it and they leave or, or a necklace. But to hear the process of that you are really customizing, personalizing that experience of really getting to know who it, who that diamond travels to is profound. And I think we take a lot of the story for granted. So I would love for you to share with us, what does it mean to become a diamond? Okay, that's a beautiful analogy. To become a diamond for me, and I think we've kind of touched on it, is really to become the happiest version of yourself. And that means where you are really truly living from your happiness, from your soul. You know, we can't always live from the soul in today's world, but I think if we can live with something, with the things that make us shine. Because there's always room for improvement and we don't want to be perfect, but we have to be. It, it's an easier experience if we become a diamond is if we shine and we are happy and we get to build good relationship with ourselves, good relationship with our surroundings, you know, family, friends, and then with the rest of the world. Whatever it is, I mean, you can't touch the whole world, but that you are being able to be who you truly are. Yeah, and I think about how a diamond radiates, how it's brilliant. It, when someone walks into the room or how it catches the light and then there's that prism around you, it's just beautiful. Like I have no other word to describe it other than it's that sparkle that can go from within to the outside. Exactly, exactly. And that's a beautiful analogy, Deborah. I love that. It's that sparkle that can represent, you know, it should, we should be able to see our own sparkle, not just the diamond, but the diamond could be an extension of that. 
Yeah. You know, you have a picture on your website with the Zimni diamond and you're holding it and looking through it. And I, and when I think about what you've shared with us about, you know, connecting with the human spirit, connecting with human connection, being able to see through the diamond. And, you know, as I mentioned, the prism, it's how we see the lens of the world. Now, if you were to think about six years ago, when you started, it was, it was longer than that, you know, noble fine jewelry. And to where you are today, did you believe you would be where you are today? Uh, the part of me, uh, and I don't mean to sound, you know, like obnoxious or anything, but a part of me has always had a very strong drive. Okay. Yeah. And part of me really believed that what I saw here in the Antwerp diamond world and my brother who got into diamond mining around the same time I met my husband, part of me really believed that we had a, something very special there. And I just wanted to share it. But what has really changed is the confidence to share it with the world. Right. I mean, you know, when you start something new, you're not always sure. You're not always sure how it's going to be received. And that's what I mentioned in the beginning as well, is just the trust to keep going with what you're doing and to refine and polish away all the unnecessary bits and become as authentic as possible so you can share that story. And I think it's an important story to share, to share because, you know, as I said, we can help an industry people that are working in Sierra Leone in the mines you know them you can help the people not just help you can you know it's it's being part of a massive story for the world yeah see I think that's incredible because I think you know when people are in their roles what whatever career or industry they're in they only see the current surroundings and I think you know as I've reviewed your website and you know we've connected and had conversations and just listening to the diamond process i love how you can see the sustainability um, building communities and connections with the people right where those those diamonds are extracted and gone through the whole process and seeing the journey and who people become from going to the jungles of Sierra, Sierra Leone and really watching the transformation. I think it's so incredible to step back and see how it fits into the whole world when we, we see ourselves only as our own circumstance, our own environment, and to really be able to expand our viewpoint and maybe look through that diamond or prism to see a different perspective. I think it's so powerful what you've shared with us today. It's it's very powerful. I mean, I remember looking when the picture was taken, looking through that diamond, you can see so much, you know, but it depends how much your vision will allow you to see. And again, you know, there were probably inclusions. Zimmy diamonds have a lot of inclusions. They're difficult diamonds to polish. I'll share a little bit about Zimmy diamonds afterwards as well, just to explain to your audience what they are. Yeah. Um, but being in Sierra Leone is so powerful because as I said, nature is amazing. That connection to nature that I felt there, I reconnected to my soul when I was there. It's a very different connection. I got a lot more connected with what it is that I want to do. And we have lost that connection. You know, in the Western world, we don't have as much nature. I think you do in Canada. I've seen a lot of beautiful pictures of the beautiful nature. But it's, it was a powerful experience. Not just that, it's meeting the people, you know, that were living there in the villages, mining, that they are actually very happy in their own way. They may not have so much but you can't take them out of Sierra Leone and bring them here they'd be lost they'd probably get depressed 
you know, I met um, one of my brother's partners he works with on one of the mining sites. She's a female miner. So I was very excited to meet her because, you know, you don't get to see many of those. And she's a very educated woman. She lived in the States. And I asked her, did you, were you happy there? She goes, no, I was miserable. I couldn't get a job. People weren't, you know, that nice because she was black or some people were, but, you know, she loves her country and she loves what she does. So we cannot, that's what we need to remember is just to see with a different lens that these people might be happy there. We just could, from our side of the world, help improve conditions for them. Yeah. You know, something that you mentioned about doing what you love and being happy. And I think there's so many people doing something that they don't love because there might be a dollar to it and they're not happy. So, you know, when you said that about this minor, it's so interesting. Like when you can find the things that you love, you can be happy wherever you are because you're doing something that radiates from you. Exactly. And then, you know, also have a look for me, what I believe is there's sometimes some parts, I'm not always, you know, happy every day in my job, but I love what I do most of it. And the parts, the days where I find it a little bit more hard, what I'll do is I'll try and look at myself and see, you know, what is it that I'm not doing here? And I'm not saying that's the case for every person holding a yeah. job that I don't love, yeah? But what is it that I'm not doing here? What is it that I can refine or improve? Uh, you know, where is this relationship? Like it could be with one of my goldsmiths or with one of my suppliers. Where does this need improvement? Where do I need to see them as a human being and connect to them on that level? You yeah. know, because I think that's my strength. And when I do that, things will flow smoother. And I think it is very important to find something that you love. And yeah, money, making money, you know, we need to pay the bills. That's important. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing it. And I think a lot of women struggle with that, you know? And I struggled with it in the beginning. It's like, you know, oh, I'm just selling diamonds and jewelry. You know, I needed to find more meaning in it. And that's what I did. Yeah. By going to visit the mines, by seeing the whole process, falling in love with the whole process and the people along the way. Like my customers, my suppliers, the miners, my relationship with my brother, um, you know, the goldsmiths. So yeah, find, really look deep and find what it is that you love and polish away all the bits that don't serve you or that have been given to you through belief systems or, you know, uh, conditioning. Find it. You know, and I, I love how you, you mentioned your strength because... You know, when people hit an obstacle, hit a roadblock, or they're having a bad day, it doesn't mean that you stop loving what you do. You've hit a challenge that refines you and defines you and polishes away, like you said, the bits that not no longer serving you, but needing to look within to find out what is it that's showing up for me? Why is it that I cannot either communicate or get to the outcome that I want. And what I also hear you saying is it's not just the diamond sitting in the setting or the necklace or the earrings. When we start to find meaning in the process, that's when the significance of the outcome and the diamond in its setting has so much more meaning, that sentiment that you talked about earlier. 
Yeah, I think it's the process, and that's the same for the process of life. You know, you know, when we get to a certain goal or destination that we wanted, sometimes people aren't happy there. You know, yeah. uh, because they haven't either found their light inside or their joy inside or whatever. And it is the process that teaches you that. Sometimes the struggle. I'm not saying you have to struggle, but sometimes the struggle yeah. will teach you that as well. But also, I'm saying one of the other things that you can learn in your job is to send boundaries as well. Really important to set certain boundaries as well. Yeah. So it's not always about just looking inside yourself. But my job is to set the right boundaries when they're being overstepped by whoever and to do it in a strong yet soft way. So there's different aspects. And I think it's for us, it's, you know, it's important. I always say, you've got to get real honest with yourself. Yeah. Real yeah. honest. And that's not easy. It's not easy for me. And I don't think it's easy for a lot of people, but honestly look at yourself or ask a friend, a close friend or a coach, somebody that can help you have a look at yourself and say, you know, where do I need to get honest and real? And then when you get real, you get to the real diamond. That's beautiful. <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask you, what is the message you want to tell to women who are in, you know, traditional male dominated industries about being a trailblazer like yourself in the industry? Um, what is it? the message is stay true to yourself. Believe in yourself with whatever you get criticism you will get because when you shine your light you might get some criticism <laughs> that's okay and that's normal because you know I think a lot of people are afraid to step out of their comfort zone and that doesn't mean there is anything wrong with them but if you get knocked down by that I mean I'm sure you've had it in your life Deborah where people yeah. you know when you believe something and you're really passionate about something and you really want to do something and people will say, oh, no, just stick to the traditional things or mm, it's a bit scary or it's a bad time. You know, when I started out, the diamond industry was in a bit of a slump. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, are you crazy? You know, and just really believe in what your heart, your gut is telling you and refine, refine, refine who you are and try again, polish away the conditioning of beliefs. Do it gently, do it softly, stay a good human being, but keep believing who you are. You know, as a, a wife and a mother, and I know we want to, you know, be good role models for our children. What are your hopes that your sons will see in, you know, as you grow and as they get to the age of, you know, finding a partner themselves? What, what is the message you hope that they see through the work that you do? Well, I think I have two boys, so I don't have girls. It's a little bit different. I want them to see that a woman can work, that they can respect a woman who supports her like my husband does, supports me a lot in what I do and believes in me. Um, I want them to also do something they love. That's really important for me, to find something that they love. And the message I also give them is that, you know, as I learn from my mistakes, because I make them, that I can own up because they're nine and 11 right now. And I can just say to them, you know, mommy's made a mistake. I'm sorry for having taught you that. I didn't know better. And now I know better, you know? And that also gives them the chance not to live in that ego and say, you know, okay, mommy can apologize, mom can apologize or dad can apologize. And so can we when we've done wrong. And then we move on and we grow. Yeah. 
and you take that diamond dust and you polish some more. <laughs> exactly. You polish some more. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we've come to near the end of our interview. And uh, I know you were going to, there's a few more questions I have for you. Um, you were going to tell our audience a little bit more about the Zimmy diamond. Yeah, so the Zimmy diamond is the rarest yellow diamond in the world. It's not really the rarest diamond. The rarest diamond, the red diamonds. Uh, but the, yeah, the Zimmy diamond is only found in a region of about 25 square kilometers. I'm sorry, I don't know how to convert it into miles. <laughs> but uh, on the border, uh, on the riverbeds of Sierra Leone and Liberia, on the Mano River. And I've actually been there recently. Um, and that area specifically produces the most concentrated in color yellow diamonds in the world. And what like websites like the GIA, We'll, they don't even mention, and what we know because my brother has been living there for 18, 19, 20 years, something like that, is that there's a lot of iron ore in the soil. You know, the colors get formed by different um, chemicals in the soil and they get mixed in with the, the diamond. That's how the color is formed. So they're quite rare because, I mean, can you imagine there's only about 25 kilometers, square kilometers where you can find them? And you know, we predict that in about 10 to 15 years, there won't be any left. So they're going to be really rare then. Um, so yeah, and we are very lucky. My brother is one of the main exporters in the world today. So we're very lucky to have the access to that. And again, as I said, we can really, you know, dig them up, bring them to Antwerp, take them through the Kimberley process certification, bring them to Antwerp, polish them, and then, you know, take you to the process of creating your diamond jewelry with it. They are beautiful. I've, you know, I've combed through your website and I'm like, wow, those are so significant. They really are like a burst of sunshine. I mean, some of them are orangey yellows and they're like my favorites. I don't know what, like they just really make me happy when I see them. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have a little bit of greenish shades, you have very yellow lemony shades, but it's just the intensity of the color is like incredible. And you can put a yellow, regular yellow diamonds and a Zimmy diamond with the same certification because they'll come in like, uh, you know, vivid yellow, intense yellow, uh, deep yellow. Vivid is like the best, you know, the mm -hmm. most color. And you'll put the two next to each other and you'll see a difference. So now what GIA has started doing recently, it's very recent because it was something dif difficult to explain to customers because they're more expensive than your re regular yellow diamonds is they've started to provide origin reports on their certificates. So you need to give in the rough diamonds and then when it's polished, you give it back in as well. And then they can really verify that it's come from there and put Zimi on it. It's very new, but it's very exciting, I find. And then it's also, you know, it gives traceability to the customers, it gives people peace of mind. Um, and what we want to do as well is actually create project charity projects around there for the people around there. So that's going to be next for us on the list. My brother actually does a lot of charity already there, but this is something, you know, it's my own baby and I want to do that, especially after having been to the villages and you know the kids you can see all of that on my instagram highlights as well yeah so it becomes something that's very close to my heart beautiful who have you become in the process of deciding to go into the diamond industry who have i become it's an interesting question <laughs> well i think you know uh stronger but strength doesn't always mean that you're strong in this kind of bitchy, overbearing women way, uh, stronger in a soft way. 
you know, because again, you have to learn to deal with everybody around you to have your business run smoothly. So uh, I think I've accessed my feminine energy. I think a lot of imbalances today are created by masculine and feminine energies as well. We all have them, but we were imbalanced a lot of women and become like men. And I was doing that and then I was like, oh, hang on there. There's something that doesn't sit right with me. It's not my diamond, you know, it's not my shine. So I've been working on allowing myself to express my femininity more, but again, in a strong and soft way. Mm -hmm. And who have I become? You know, there's more aspects to it. Um, hopefully I've become a better friend, better mom, <laughs> you know, cause you've got to balance your time and the time that you are with the kids, it has to mean something, yeah. not to feel guilty when you're not with the kids. So it's really kind of working all these different aspects of yourself and who do you see yourself becoming well, <laughs> well i would uh what i would love to do is to impact more people to also shine uh you know a way for women in the diamond industry um, and i'm talking all the way down to the mines or all the way up to the mines because i think we wouldn't have the diamonds without these people uh, yeah I think uh, definitely make a lot more impact for people, you know, create lasting change. So two of the standard questions that I ask our guests is, what is one book that has transformed your life? What is one book that transformed my life? I mean, I've just read what my soul told me. So that one really stand out, stands out. Um, that's something that's really, and also many years ago, The Alchemist and Veronica Decides to Die by Paolo Coelho. And why, I'll tell you one little, and well, what I found so interesting by Ver in Veronica Decides to Die is she ends up going to a mental institute. <laughs> but then there's this whole conversation around, you know, who are the people that are really crazy? Is it the people on the outside or on the inside? And for me, that correlates to following who you are because you might look crazy to the rest of the world wow. but who is crazy and who defines crazy yes yeah yeah and i and i just think that you know those who step out and go after what they want they they may be seen as that because people have not taken the leap themselves as to their own dreams they've held them back and then when they see someone do it they're like oh my gosh how could they do that when inside they have this deep longing of wanting to exactly and i think that's what we want to allow people is to really you know i i've mentioned it as on, on one of the conversations i had recently with women is that the more women are going to do and be allowed what they want to do the less bitchy we become so we're happy 100 <laughs> percent yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I think we've all been there where we've not yeah. been so kind, but that's that's another thing that I've learned is the more I do what I love, the less bitchy, you know, and the, the more happy and, and you're, you become and you allow other women to shine their lights. Excellent. What does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? So to me, okay, so one of the aspects is to really do what you love. Okay, and to find love in what you do. And I'm somebody personally, and I'm not sure it's for everybody, but I like to constantly improve myself. I do need movement, you know. I'm somebody who likes to move things. Um, my family, 
that's really, you know, rich. I mean, you know, being with my kids, my husband, my dog, <laughs> I love dogs generally. Um, you know, having my family, my stability, my core, my base to go back to, that makes me very, you know, live happily from the inside. And if they're good, that makes me happy. My friends, I've had a lot of great friends over the course of my life. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I think that's really important. These are things, and that's your home base. And then, as I said, you got to make yourself happy. Nobody else owes you that. You got to make yourself happy and you got to take your own space in the world. Nobody's going to do it for you. And shine bright like a diamond. Yeah, shine bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how could people stay in touch with you or contact you? So we can, they can go on my, both my websites. So www.noblefinejewelry would spell the English way because I lived in the UK for many years. So double-l-e-r-y.com or zimmydiamond.com with double M. And I'm on Instagram and on Facebook, same Noble Fine Jewelry and Zimmy Diamond. And they can email me questions. I'm always happy to share my love for what I do. Well, this is broadcast around the world. It'll be on YouTube as well. I want to thank you so much, Yelena, for coming on the Millionaire Woman Show and sharing with us what it takes to, on becoming a diamond and understanding how the journey really impacts the outcome. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. I would love for you to also go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where you get your three-part video course on making habits stick. Let's build some focus and consistency to build those habits to help you reach those dreams and start doing what you love, as Ilana talked about in the interview today. Also, if you are watching this on YouTube, hit the bell so you don't miss and subscribe to notifications to Make sure you get these videos, as well as if you're on your favorite podcast players, subscribe, rate, and review. Also, send a snapshot, post it on social media, tag us, and we would love to share it in our stories as well. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Ilana and myself, go out and make today great. Mm -hmm.